never be dick. Sluts in my city only see dick. Travel on this one way path. Fuck the Phoenix. Hello to everybody out there in podcast slash radio land. Welcome to the Rub Wrestling Podcast, episode number eight, what we like to call the Ocho. And that's basically what it is. Um, as you know, we do have an email address where you can reach out to us for any questions or any concerns or anything that you want to talk about or bring up on the show at therubwrestling at outlook.com. You can also find our podcast on any major outlet. So Google Play, Apple, Spotify. Um, we're even on YouTube. So if you uh, like us, you like the content that you got and uh, you want to get your daily or weekly whatever wrestling fix whenever you listen to this. Just hit that follow and subscribe and uh, we'll be with you on your journey in the car or wherever else you want to listen to this podcast, even if it's in the bathtub. Um, obviously, being episode number eight and being the Ocho, um, we're going to kick off the show basically talking about, uh, you know, Chris Jericho, who is the Ocho. I think that's a pretty optimal tribute that we can kind of go through. Um, but to kick it off, let's introduce our illustrious panel. Chris, how's everything going and how was your week this week? Uh, pretty pretty slow week um had a lot of baseball played uh played three games this week and i'm 40 years old so i'm pretty pretty stiff today which is uh feels good means that means i got out there and kind of got got moving and i got some exercise which is nice um other than that my parents watch me which is nice to have my parents watching at 40 years old play baseball still um awesome other than that uh pretty pretty slow week not 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 too much to actually write home about. I got my uh, got my Project X wrestling tickets, actually. Magnum McLaren, shout out to him who sent them to me. Uh, VIP for uh, August 5th for the Capriol Cup. That's awesome, man. I never thought I'd ever have to say this to you, and I think that's a great idea going to the uh, the Project X show. Um, but I never thought I'd say this to you even at 40, but bust out the Ben Gay, buddy. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and for our other panelists, we got uh, Josh. Josh, how's everything going with you? How's everything on your end? Oh, you know, just same old, same old, working hard, and uh, harvest is becoming bountiful in the garden. The girls are getting big, um, and uh, that's about it, yeah. See, we like to give you our personal lives here on this podcast a little bit, because we like to kind of divert just from the wrestling slightly so you can get to know us a little bit better. With that being well, what said, what have you been up to, Matt? Oh, me? Uh, I've been working yeah. like crazy, actually, which has been kind of uh, it's been kind of fun. This is the fun time of year for me at work. Uh, lots of meetings, lots of meeting with people out on the road and uh, doing some operational stuff. But uh, a lot of number crunching, too. So it's uh, um, I was working with a company for about 15 years and uh, I was uh, kind of got the rug pulled out for me. And we kind of all the whole company pretty much dissolved at one point. So um I'm about under a year on this job, but uh, I've been having a blast. So it's been mostly that and just trying to finish up Legend of Zelda. So big video game nerd on top of being wrestling a nerd. So <laughs> that's basically it for me. So me and uh, me and my partner are trying to finish up uh, Legend of Zelda. We're almost there. We're about 90% done. So which would be good. But uh, thank you for asking. So like we said, we do give you our personal lives here so that you can, you know, get to know us a little bit better. But why you're here. We're here to talk about wrestling. We're here to talk about the two biggest wrestling federations on the planet. And we're going to kick it off a little bit with a tribute, like we said at the beginning of the show, to Chris Jericho. So Chris Jericho being the Ocho, episode number eight. Um, my thought on Chris Jericho is that he's uh, basically had a, a big resurgence in his career. And he's not just done it once or twice or thrice. Um, he seems to find this magical way of reinvigorating himself with any promotion that he goes to or with his band, or with, uh, you know, his podcast. And he always finds a way to stay in the limelight. Chris, um, fact or fiction, when we think of Chris Jericho right now, if you think of the last two decades of watching Chris Jericho, is he better now than he was 20 years ago? Um, I, it's t Like, I love Chris Jericho. I, I think he is getting older, but, I mean, he still, he still brings it. He puts people over. I still... Like I remember, remember the Ralphus days back in WCW. I remember the man of a thousand and one holds uh, <laughs> compared to Dean Malenko. Three handled family um, credenzel. Well, yeah, absolutely. Armbar. Um, <laughs> he's uh, he's definitely one of my favorites of all time. Probably, probably, definitely in my top three. Um, I just remember the Millennium Clock and me and Johnny Blanchard, Johnny B, who does our does our intro music. 
we were so pumped when when it was him who came out and he gets to go up against the rock right away and i thought he held his own uh now i mean there's nobody else who can who can basically reinvent themselves like he can um he does it every time he's the magician he's the ocho he's um he's le champion he's got the, a little bit of the bubbly um i mean there's there's nobody who has a mind for it like he does with the list too the list too i mean nobody can do it like him he's he's a draw he's a sell he can he makes he he makes you money no matter no matter what he does um i can only imagine how much money vince mcmahon offered him before he went to AEW. but i have a feeling he went there because he had he could make He's done everything in the business, but run his own his own promotion, and I think he's got a, a big hand in running AEW. And I don't know i I hope he does it. I hope he does it until until he can't do the lion salt anymore. I think once that comes out of his repertoire, I think it's time to go. Yeah, and I think in a lot of cases, like we kind of talked about that, you know, he was the pain maker, you know, and, and all these other things that he had involved. I remember watching him in WCW and Lionheart, and we just remember watching him in the cruiserweight division. And I think one of the big things that really soured me was that we never really got to see Chris Jericho and Goldberg go. And uh, he basically was getting booed so bad every night when he was talking about Goldberg, and they he just tried to force it through, and they never wanted to do it. But I think if they would have done it, even if Goldberg squashed him, I think it would have been amazing for both their careers. Um, and I think it would have been a memorable point in WCW if they actually did it. Um, but you look at Chris Jericho's ability to give back. He makes other talents look better. Um, he draws you money. He can make them look like a million bucks, and that's what he's trying to do now. I think this is a swan song. This is like his... How do I give back to wrestling for everything that I've gotten from wrestling? And I think that's what A&W really is. It's what his podcast is. It's what all those little things that he brings in. It's about taking those kids in for JAS. And um, again, talking about the reinvigoration of himself, you know, the Jericho Appreciation Society looks like it's pretty much like pretty much finished. Um, and, and now my question really comes to Josh, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing this resurgence with Don Callis and trying to create like a name that I absolutely hate in the Don Callis family. <laughs> I think it's a really stupid name, but I think like with the, the going back with Don Callis and, and how far they went back in Smoky Mountain wrestling and these different other places that they wrestled and they kind of had that vignette on dynamite with, um, can't remember the uh, the older guy's name. I apologize, but they had the vignette that showed up, and it looks like Jericho is probably going to say yes to that at some point. Um, do you think that 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 this is going to be a, a good angle for Jericho moving forward, um, or do you think that this uh, he should stick with the JAS and and that should be where he stays? Um, yeah. So you know what? I actually don't think he's going to end up with Don Callis. I think he's going to turn face. I think that he's going to dissolve the JAS. And then allow his, you know, his men- mentees to to find sow their own, you know, f- find their own way, and he's going to recreate himself again, and we're going to see a new reiteration of him. I don't think that he fits with Don Callis because Jericho is the star. Don Callis is the secondary player in a game. He doesn't need a manager. Chris Jericho is the manager. He's the guy that you want on the microphone. He's the guy who gets the pop. Um, I mean, if he does do it, I think he's going to do it well because Chris Jericho has been successful at pretty much every iteration he's done. I just don't see him becoming like a second player or second fiddle to Don Callis. Not that Don Callis is going to outshine Chris Jericho, but if he's joining Don Callis's group, then you know he's not the the, the focus. And I think that you know maybe he would be doing it to help uh, develop the younger wrestlers that Don Callis is going to have in his stable. But I just see that Jericho, this might be, you know, like you said, his swan song. And he's going to go back to solo and he's going to do this as a base run. And he's going to, you know, give the rub to as many wrestlers in his way. But I think he's going to he's going to show what he has. The one thing that I'll say is that like his match that he had this week with Commander was good. But I actually found Commander was quite sloppy and he missed a couple of key kicks that you could clearly see the camera turned a little too late. And Jericho was really good. He car- I f- felt like he... Helped him in the match, and he hits hard. Holy crap, does he ever hit hard. So I think, like, he still has it. I agree with Chris that I think, you know, once he can't do the lion salts anymore, his agility is not as good as it used to be. 
he hit a code breaker that wasn't as solid as you'd like off the top ropes or like off a commander top rope move. So I don't know. Maybe he moves more into a face roll and it's slowing down like his retirement is coming. Yeah, you know, it, it, I, I can totally see that. Um, I, I kind of disagree. I think he's probably going to end up with Callus, But, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we don't know where he's going to go, right? I mean, um, one of the things about maybe with the Don Callis family is basically taking in some of the members of the BCC, right? Like, it might not be the Blackpool Combat Club anymore at that point. Like, Don's right now with... Takeshita, but I mean, you know what? He could take some different people along with him, and I think it's a great time right now going into the summer, going into Wembley, and going into these events where we're kind of seeing some of these stables change. And, you know, there was some teases before. There was one with Best Friends and Orange Cassidy. I almost wish that one would have happened because um, you could see Trent and Chuck go, in, uh, go another way. But I, I think really kind of reinvigorating the group. I mean, it's like kind of what we're going to talk about in Blood and Guts, you know, seeing the two members, the fifth member of each team kind of come in. But um, when you're looking at one of those members that we will talk about, he's actually in another group and we haven't seen them in forever, it feels like. So, um, and we'll get to that when we get there. Um, so with that being said, um, I think I actually screwed up the format for this, but that's okay. We're just going to keep going the way it is. Um, uh, big topic that kind of came through the news, um, through the Twitterverse, And from what I saw, I actually saw on Twitter. Some people have seen on some different things. We're still on the topic of AEW here, uh, which has been, um, basically there was a, a meeting that happened and I, I don't know if it was Sean Ross Sapp that reported it or it was um, somebody reported that basically there was a meeting with Tony Khan with the AEW where they're looking to kind of um, work on the safety of the wrestlers, like where there was a lot of moves that were basically completely banned. Um, and there was some moves that are now like bleeding. I think it was excessive bleeding, uh, buckle bombs, a couple things that are like that, that if you're going to do those moves, they have to be run through a producer before they actually do it so that they can get the green light to do it. Now, We've watched AEW from its inception. We saw Tiger Driver 91, for God's sakes. And we saw some different things that are coming through. And I don't know if this is stemming from the Tiger Driver 91, which Kenny Omega says, don't tell him how to wrestle, which I agree. Um, dangerous move, though. So when this comes through, um, when I ask you this question, I'll start with Josh on this one. Um, Josh, when you're looking at these move lists and, the, and everything that kind of came out of that meeting from what we've been reporting, it doesn't mean it's all true. But... AEW has a very edgy product with strong wrestling content. Does the removal of these moves actually cheapen the product, or will it make it worse for the fans watching AEW moving forward? No, I don't think necessarily, because when I was reading the article, it didn't sound like those all the moves were completely banned. What I think some of the wrestlers uh, had commented that they'd never seen the list before, so they don't know about it. So whether or not this is just... Uh, them trying to goad us into getting, you know, to a storyline, who knows? But I think what some of the wrestlers were also saying is that then it guarantees almost that spots won't be, like, copied. And I think that's what happens with AEW is you find a lot of wrestlers trying to, like, outdo each other, but they're doing similar spots, and it's on the same card. So it kind of takes value out of those moves. And so I think, like, you know, if you're going to see a Tiger Driver 91, you don't also want to see, like, six other crazy deadly moves by like every other match because it kind of takes away the special moments in those bigger matches maybe that's something i think that like it for me if they take the edge away that it's not going to be as good of a product because that's something that they're offering that the wwe doesn't offer but i think that they also offer you know almost two full hours of wrestling and if you want to watch wrestling then that's the product you're going to watch because wwe doesn't give you that um but i i think it's the other point is is that probably Tony is starting to see his wrestlers get hurt and he's losing people like CM Punk for nine months and he can't lose CM Punk for nine months because he's like carrying the company. Um, and with those big injuries, you know, uh, it's a concern because it's a lot of money. The other thing is, is that as the company grows, if you notice there were some of the stipulations where like you can't take anything from a fan or you can't throw a bloody item into the stadium. Well, as they make more money, the liability goes up and some people are, might be more likely to sue them. So I think they're just covering their butts in this one. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with that. I think when you're kind of looking forward, I, I think like as long as you don't take away the edge of the product. And I think if for a lot of those lists from what we saw in the list, a lot of them were, um, I think there was maybe 10 moves that were completely banned and then the rest of them were run through a producer. And I still think that they're going to kind of maintain that edge if that's the case, because that's what makes the product so great. It's, um, it, it's trying to 
get to that course of realism to make sure that we kind of believe that it is real and that we know that injuries are real. We know that everything, but let's face it, a lot of storylines, everything that goes on in a match is, you know, predetermined. It's scripted. Um, and uh, as much as I'm breaking kayfabe there, guys, woo. Um, but at the end of it, when you're going through, we want to make sure that you're right. You can't lose a big guy for 10 months because it totally affects storylines moving forward. And we've seen that happen in WWE when I think when Stone Cold went out back in the Attitude Era or um, I think The Rock or Randy Orton had a really bad injury and then he's out for a while. And then it kind of just really wrecks what you've had planned for six months. And I think that's why now a lot of the companies, we don't see these six month or these 12 month feuds anymore because if something does happen, let's just say it straight out and clear, like you're fucked. And that's basically it. Now, um, thanks for that, Josh. Bringing this to Chris. Chris, I know that we're going to talk about this. We talked about this when we were on the call before, but I know that you and your wife recently had a conversation about, um, and I'm going to bring it up. We're not going to talk about it today, but I'm going to bring it up as a later event that you think that wrestling could potentially be an Olympic sport. Now, reason I bring that up is because does this limit the wrestlers in any way when it comes to the creativity of, of running a match with a producer? Or do you think that it's really going to affect the storytelling? Because one of the things that we know about AEW is that um, the storytelling can be very weak at times for certain, for certain aspects. I wouldn't say like it's weak, but I'd probably say it's average. It's not mind blowing. It, it kind of has flaws in it. Do you think that this is going to take the creativity of what that is? And is the storytelling going to get worse because they're limiting moves? Uh, I I think the storytelling is going to have to get better if they if they start limiting moves because AEW is a really really spot heavy company and I mean there's we always text each other in our group and we're like oh that guy's hurt that guy's hurt and everybody's getting hurt like Darby Allen I'm surprised he doesn't get hurt he just throws his body all over the place um, I think. I think this will push them into a little bit more of a storytelling atmosphere where instead of having one of those big spots, they'll have to, they'll have to storytell in between, in, be, in between whatever spots they're able to do. Um, I agree with both of you. Yeah. You can't have guys out for, for five or six months and putting all these moves, like even, even the tiger driver 91, like, was it necessary? I don't know. You know, not really. It, it, it's a great thing to see. But, uh, yeah, I just, uh, and they, they can still do the moves. They just have to get it passed by a producer, just like Sting did when he, when he jumped from the ladder, but let's look at Sting. He busted his face open. Oh, right? bitch. So, so, I mean, there's, a, there's a reason moves are banned and there's a reason you have to pass them with producers. And those reasons are to, to, to keep the wrestlers safe. Like you. You can tell a story. You don't have to put your body on the line every single time. Like you can tell a story without having to jump from a six foot ladder or without having to do a tiger driver or without having to jump balls to the wall over the top rope and landing. Who knows? Yeah. You know what? I think we're in a crazy spot in 2023 now where we're kind of watching at how these, you know, it's so funny. We've watched in so many other sports and we were talking about, I think, LeBron James earlier. And as much as I don't want to talk about LeBron James on a podcast, I definitely do want to talk about the fact that he's 41 years old or whatever he is. And he's in amazing shape. And they're talking about him playing potentially the next five years. Maybe, maybe you know, the next, I think this year he's going to play a lot of games. He's going to play over 60 games. He played 50-something last year. But I think this is going to be his... Well, he is- Sorry? He is he is taking one year contracts everywhere he That's, goes because he wants to play with his yeah team. and everybody heard that right but I think more so what I'm kind of getting at is that like he's gonna be on load management and I think some of these older guys are on load management like Sting's on load management. Jericho's a bit on load management. He's not wrestling every week. Um, and that's fine. But it's taking it, it's trying to find these ways now where I'm I'm shocked in wrestling where we don't see these things like hyperbaric chambers or cold therapy or cryotherapy or anything like that and i don't know why any company is not invested in this or like uh, what is it like cupping or acupuncture why wouldn't we just have all these people on staff and just pay five hundred thousand dollars like i watch guys like matt hardy and i watch like jericho and i know they've broken a lot of bones but if these guys started yoga 10 years ago or did even ddp yoga 10 years ago ddp yoga baby you would have been in a scenario where um 
you know, they probably would have been much more flexible, and we'd be we'd see Chris Jericho doing a, a lion salt until he's sixty five years old, you know. And and Matt, I can tell you, I can tell you why we don't see that. It's because all of these people are contracts contractors. None of them are employees. They're not in. They don't have any benefits. They're all responsible for themselves, and the company. They're they're these people are all they 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 can. They're disposable. That's the thing. That's the like, thing. And that's the thing. In, that's the thing in one company, though. In in AEW, they actually do get benefits for what they do, and they do get their medical paid. So it's like my question would be, Josh, at that point is like, and I know that you're in the medical, you're in the medical industry, right? So yeah. when you're looking at that and you're going through, it's like, why don't you just have it on site instead of having it like having them go places? Is what I was trying to say. Oh yeah, no. I just mean is because then the cost is on the employer, and they don't like to spend money on their talent because they, they like they pay they pay the talent, and then the talent's responsible to pay for the therapies that they need. That's the problem, right? Like, if they had packages, or if they had like you know, like if Jesse Ventura was successful, maybe you would see those things because then they still have to pay them if they were hurt, you know, whatever happens, they'd still be responsible to cover the cost. You look at like what happens in like Major League Baseball or those sports is like they're well taken care of, but they have representation too, right? Like they have yeah. protection in their contract. That's actually what that's actually really Tommy good John, point. What do you think Tommy John ta- costs in America? Oh, probably 2.5. Like that's that's a long surgery. surgery. That's like a long surgery and it's a non whatever it is. It's a, what what's the word? It's non like it's a not, non-critical. Yeah, like it's non-critical. Like if you're you're doing that and it's Ele- especially, elective, yeah, elective, it's an elective surgery. surgery. Yeah. And on top of that, when you're looking at but sports, you can have it. Yeah, it's sports. It's it's for sports, right? So sports medicine also goes to like ten times. It's like the same thing that they were saying in WWE when they were sending um, those guys to like Triple H to get his quads done to that uh, that world-renowned doctor. Like he charges like apparently five to ten times more because it's sports, right? So. Yeah, it's. I mean, I don't think a torn quad from the top of your your hip all the way down to your knee is elective surgery at that point. <laughs> but uh, I think you need to have it done. But it's a great point. I'm I'm really interested in seeing, and that's uh, really good uh, debate and chat that we had there. Now, one of the biggest matches of the year coming up in AEW. Um, I know that everybody's focusing in on AEW uh, All In at Wembley. We've talked about that before. Um, the dates just keep moving closer and closer. We're going to have a great August with All In and with SummerSlam. Um, but one of the best televised matches of the year, I like to say Christmas comes a little bit early on Wednesday. We got a little bit of Blood and Guts, boys, which is, um, for those that remember the old WCW War Games, or which was sent to NXT for War Games, um, you know, something a little bit different, five on five, which is kind of same as the war game style, but two big rings and, uh, lots of crazy shit over the years has happened. We've had people like go off the cage both years. I think, Jer- what was it? Jericho went off the cage one year. Sammy Guevara has got off the cage. Like, like everybody's gone off that cage and majoritively it takes the two biggest factions, um, in the thing. Uh, in the in in basically the promotion and basically go through. So we're gonna see basically the the Blackpool Combat Club, and uh, we're gonna see uh, the the Golden Elite because basically on Wednesday night the fifth members were announced for both teams. We know for uh, the Blackpool Combat Club, uh, Pac came back for the first time in probably close to nine months or a year. Like it's been a long time, at least since um, the the best out of seven with the Elite in for the trios titles. And we're gonna get to see something really interesting, which is. Um, Kota Ibushi uh, coming in and really kind of reclaiming uh, a faction that was done in NJPW with all the guys in the Elite and Kota. So, Blood and Guts, I'm excited. I'm getting ready for this. I got Tingles already talking about it. Um, but, Chris, I'm going to kind of talk about a little bit of a rumor that I've heard. And, uh, Josh, if you've heard this, you can kind of jump in, too, if you want. Um, kind of might take away. I'm hearing that this is, might be only a one-time deal with Kota Ibushi. Have you heard that? Uh, I, I haven't read much about it. Um, like I said, I switched off. I went back to NHL 2023 online, nice. which I'm, I'm doing okay. You're trying to get into the um, shell world championships or what? Yeah, I'm trying to get ranked, but it's not happening so far. Caroline is really not doing it for me. Um, go to Ibushi. Love it. Just love it. Love to see him and Kenny together. Just love, love the goal and the elite. Love it. Um, if it is a one-time thing and they're giving it to us on a Wednesday, that's uh, like, that's great. That's great. We're getting a pay-per-view card basically on a Wednesday. Um, Pac the bastard, love him. One of my one of my favorite wrestlers. 
probably in my top 10. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, there's so much star power in this match all of a sudden for, for a Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's just going to be it's going to be really fun for all of us to watch. It's it's going to be a show you don't want to miss for sure. Yeah, Blood and Guts is always crazy. It usually dedicates 30 or 40 minutes to the match. It's uh <laughs> it, it's just it's just a wonderful thing to see and I, I you're absolutely right. It's a pay-per-view on a Wednesday. Now, the big rumor coming out about Kota Ibushi and actually ties in somebody else that is not in the match in Switchblade Jade White is the rumor that's been going out is that the reason that Kota is not signing, he's signing this one-time deal. And Jay White's contract is basically on a short-term deal and looking like it's going to potentially expire. Um, apparently, Triple H has been talking about really wanting to sign these guys and saying that there's already plans in place for them if they do show up and sign the contracts. So, um, Josh, we're going to talk about who you think is going to win the match in a second, but I, I know you've watched uh, Switchblade Jay, Jay White. I know that you have uh, might have watched a little bit of Kota Ibushi. Um, and if you haven't, um, that's okay, but when you're going through it, do you think that that's a major loss for AEW to lose those two guys to WWE? Because both those guys in every promotion have been a world champion. Um, I think that the Kota Ibushi, you know, I think that it could be a bigger story. Jay White is really doing it for me right now, but I, I don't know if he's been there long enough to have, you know, to warrant like a sense of loss for AEW with him. He's, he's, you know, great, great in the ring and, you know, good storyteller. And it's, it's, it's been very interesting, but like, you know, is he a bigger loss than someone who's been there for five years? I, I don't think so right now. Um, I think that it could be really good for WWE, but I think that WWE would mismanage both of, both of those guys. I think that Jay White's too small for WWE in the sense that like, you know, look at like kind of how they treat Finn Balor, that he's going to be a second fiddle to the bigger stars. Um, not to say that uh, he wouldn't do well in WWE. It would be good for them. I don't know. I think that uh, some of the things that you hear for the news with AEW is part of the work, in my opinion. I think that some of the some of the wrestlers with AEW like to share part pieces of the story with the uh, media to get the story to be more meaningful. Um, I don't think WWE needs to do that as much to keep fans interested. So, you know, like I said, I think a lot of what AEW is doing right now is a work, and uh, we're all marks. For it, so. <laughs> I think you know what? It's funny because I remember watching Kota Ibushi when he was in the WWE for the Cruiserweight tournament. And uh, he was he was by far and away the best wrestler in that in that tournament, and that that had everything in it. it had TJP, it had Grand Metalik, it had a whole bunch of like luchadors in there that we've never seen before. It was an it was an amazing tournament. Um, I think we had Tony Nese in there, who's also with AEW. I think it had Drew Gulak in there, who was a big star on uh, the Indies at that point when they were kind of all coming up. And Kota ran roughshod through that tournament. And the only reason he lost in the final was because he did not sign the contract. So he was a free agent, Always. basically went over, and he didn't sign the contract. And because he didn't sign the contract, TJP ended up winning the tournament. But Kota would have won the tournament hands down if he would have signed his deal. Um, I agree with you, Josh. I think I think I personally believe that Jay White would be mismanaged in WWE. I don't know who you put him with. Um, I look at Kota Ibushi, and I I think this would be kind of his one of his last shots at it. Like he's he's relatively older. I believe he's in his late thirties or like early forties, and he does very he's in his forties. Yeah, and he does very high. Like his he's in, don't get me wrong, he's in fantastic shape. He's much better off than Tanahashi, but. You're looking at him, and he's had some bad injuries. He's he's going to go to a 300-date schedule in WWE, and I think you're going to look at that, and that's going to probably break him down even more on something that's potentially his last run, right? Um, and I always think what I always say for any NJPW or Japanese talent, I said we've never had, I think, in the years that we've watched WWE, even anybody get a sniff close to a WWE title other than Nakamura. And I think, in all honesty, Nakamura has been mismanaged there for the last three years, but yet he still stays. <laughs> so I don't yeah, just, I, just Oscar. Yeah, just Oscar, right? Yeah. So on the women's side, because she's so much better, and I think you know what—that would be the same for the women. I think if you brought a lot of women in from Shimmer, Stardust, any of those things, you'd probably have it'd be a full Asian roster that would be at the top, other than maybe Charlotte and Becky and the ones that really stand out. Um, lastly for this match, blood and guts. I always like to say, Josh forbidden door. You were the only match you got wrong was the elite versus for, uh, versus BCC. 
when you went through it based on the podcast and based on what you told us. It's redemption time, buddy. Who wins that blood and guts match? Putting you on the spot, uh, my friend. You know what? I think AEW's getting me with this one. I think that, like, I think it's going to be the elite, uh, the golden elite, only because uh, I think that that's what the fans want to see. And I think that if this is going to be the last iteration of it, that the, the faces go over. So I think it's going to be the elite, uh, but I would not be shocked if if Blackpool Combat Club wins. I just I for some reason I feel like there's going to be a swerve, and uh, it's going to go in the favor of the elite, and it's going to give us that big pop. And maybe you know this is what gets Kota Ibushi to be signed with AEW. It's like yeah, it's a one time deal because that's the story they want to tell us today. But you know Kota Ibushi is such a star in this match, and boom, he's signed. So I think that's uh, that's who goes over. But I would not be shocked if Blackpool Combat Club uh, goes So Josh over, is but, saying uh, golden. Josh like is sticking to his guns. He's saying golden elite. Chris, what are you saying? Uh, if if Ibushi is a one-time thing, maybe maybe BCC goes over. Um, if if they're gonna keep Ibushi, I see I see the elite going over, and then then he signs. Get off the um, get off the fence. Who who wins it? Uh, the elite, golden elite. Okay, this is what I think is going to happen. I'm going BCC on this, and I'll tell you why. BCC is going to win this because we forgot about one key element to this entire story, which is Eddie Kingston. And so Eddie Kingston feuding with the Bucks. I think you're going to see Eddie Kingston side with Mox. I think you're going to see him come in as a sixth man at some point, and I think you're going to see him join Mox and that group, or who either, I don't know if he's going to join Blackpool Combat Club, but I think he's going to re- resolve his relationship with Moxley, or he's going to join Callus. or my part B is that you're going to see Kota Ibushi join Don Callis, and I think John Ka- Don Callis is going to try to run a bunch of Japanese, uh, a Japanese stable in AEW. So, but wow. King, King, Kingston hates Kingston and Claudio hate each other. It's fine. They're, they'll, he, he, he wants to salvage his relationship with Moxley more. And I don't know. Like, that's the other option, right? Like, where do, where do you go? I think, like, at the end of the day, when they're going through, I think it just makes it just makes sense to go. It can go either way. So I don't, I don't know. I think you're right there, too, Chris. I actually forgot about that. But I honestly think that with what the, the storytelling they had with the Bucks, I think they're going to kind of go that route. So okay, oh, I think the story would be so much better with Eddie Kingston facing John Moxley in a huge paper. Could be too, right? Oh, I, be I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm going to be right here. I'm just saying what I think. So I mean, fuck if I'm wrong, great. I, I've I've been wrong so many times you know in my what? life. Like I make bad decisions every day. <laughs> Ishii is going to win. It. He's he's going to be the one with the pin and blood and blood and guts. Ishii. Wheeler. We, I'm going with Wheeler Yuta. <laughs> there you go. That's that's the other question: is who takes the who takes the pinfall from either team? Yeah, it's it's tough to say. I mean, I, I, or there's no pinfall. Right? Uh, there's pinfalls in blood and guts. It's pinfall or submission in blood and guts. But I don't think it really matters. I think because there's ten guys there, I don't think the who takes the fall matters because they're going to kill each other for forty minutes. So whoever's unlucky, I think is Mox. Just get I it. think Mox. I think Mox gets pinned. I thought it wasn't. I thought it was. It was tap out or give up. Could be. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember. I just know that people beat the shit out of each other, and that's what I love about it. It's great. Go fly off top of the cage, do things, enter, entertain me. That's what I'm saying. So it's Christmas come early for a wrestling fan. Now, um, with AEW kind of on the burner, we're going to kind of go through and we're going to start talking about uh, WWE, but there's a little bit of AEW in this fourth topic that we have for you tonight, which is basically um, the we saw a giant meme on Twitter um, and, and it's more about to talk about the diversity of both federations. We we kind of see every single day if you're on social media, you're on everything. It's like you got to pick a side. It's either you're in AEW and you love AEW and you hate WWE or you love WWE and you hate AEW and then everybody wants to fight about it. Now, us here, we like to fully admit that um, probably we like the AEW product a little bit better, but it doesn't mean that we don't like WWE. We love watching WWE. They're just different styles and different federations we also love watching stuff like roh we love watching live wrestling we love watching japanese wrestling josh is getting into we love it. wrestling period period we love wrestling period and so when you're looking at a lot of stuff they both have different wwe is more on the production side and production value where AEW has a better wrestling content right so when we're looking at this there was a meme that came out on the internet 
where basically it was a picture of Roman Reigns basically crying and after getting kicked in the face by one of the Usos. And it basically said 28 minutes of teenage melodrama, where with AEW it said 28 minutes of pure wrestling, referring to the opening matches of Dynamite compared to the opening of uh, WWE SmackDown. Now, kind of going through this 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 style, um, Chris, when you're kind of looking at stylistically both things, they're both very different and they both have very different demographics. WWE is a little more tailored to kids. We see kids in the AEW crowd, but that's more tailored to probably a, a higher adolescence or a, a younger adult or up to probably like, I'd probably say they're more of a 19 to 34 content where WWE is probably more of a, could be anywhere from a six or a seven all the way up to, you know, a, a, like a, a, you know, a 34 content. They just have a wider demographic. Um, when this meme came out, I kind of thought it was really interesting because we, we have so much debate on where we're at with being part of either company. Do you think that this debate is stupid and do you think that we should just all love wrestling for what it is in this day and age right now? I think we should all love wrestling for what it is. It's an art form. Um, do I, like when I when I watch the WWE product, do I dislike seeing like the first half hour being like purely... Purely kind of kind of promos and people not wrestling. No, personally, personally, I like to see the wrestling. Like I, I love how AEW opens up with Orange Cassidy, a pure worker, almost every show. Um, I mean, if you're gonna do talking, you need somebody who can carry it. So, uh, I don't know, like twenty minutes of twenty minutes of Roman Reigns and in, in those situations, it's it's just really not for me. Um, like if you're gonna do if you're gonna do your first half hour of pure mic work, it has to be good. You have to have somebody who can r- run the mic. You have to have somebody who can be the foil to the person who's who's on the mic. You have to have two people who can talk back and forth. You need to keep my attention. Um, WWE can usually. I do watch it, but I mean, it just it doesn't keep my attention. I don't I don't want half an hour of of talking. And when I'm watching and then there's so much more talking put into their show in AEW, I find their talking is put in, in so much like in a lot better places. Like their promos are done in good fashion and they start you off with wrestling. They give you wrestling. I'm, I'm watching wrestling to see wrestling personally. And yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. WWE just, it doesn't keep my attention when, when I have, 30 minutes to start the show with somebody talking. Yeah. And it's funny too. Cause the other knock on AEW is that basically the storylines are, we talked about earlier, they're, they're kind of average. They kind of have flaws in them. They kind of have areas that you can pick out that kind of don't make sense. Right. Like kind of like this, um, you know, this situation with Eddie Kingston's a little bit weird, but we've also talked about other things that have happened and we've talked about the storylines in the past. It's like, I personally, as much as I love MJF and, uh, you know, uh, Adam Cole, I find it's a bit of a clusterfuck until we get to the point where it's going to get to right now. It's just like them playing video games and stuff. And it's hilarious, but it's just, it seems a bit clustered. It's for me, it's ran a little bit too long. So, um, Josh, when you're looking kind of at that and we're talking about, um, exactly what we're talking about and like production, I know that you're more of a wrestling content guy. Um, in this day and age, who do you think makes more money? Is it the wrestling content or is it the promo style? Because I mean, if you look at valuations of companies, obviously AEW is, is fairly new. Do you think in five years, AEW is going to vault over WWE when it comes to ratings, demographics, and, uh, other items that we see with, with the content that they have? No, I don't think so at all. I think that AEW is going to be a secondary company, and I think that'll be fine for them. I think that the WWE is too big of a beast for them to be able to take over first place, and I don't think it's not something that they need to do to be successful. They could maybe match them. I don't see, you know, their storytelling can get better, but I think that because the product that they offer is a narrower, uh, you know, it, it appeals to a narrower market, that it's going to be more difficult to get the level that WWE has. Plus, they have, you know, WWE has 50 plus years of, you know, experience and how to run these shows and what's successful and what works. And they do their scripted promos. However, I much prefer the AEW product. Um, I think that the thing that AEW does right is that they do the show for the people that are sitting in the stands. And, you know, I think that the television product isn't as strong 
just because you know they haven't figured out the kinks and you know WWE's research they put it they pipe in the sounds for the crowd because they know it makes it better for TV um, but I just the thing that I hate about how WWE runs their product is like if you're gonna do a 40 minute promo why would you do it on your two hour program you know like you have a three hour program that you've like taken away almost 90% of the wrestling. It seems like, you know, in an hour of Dynamite, you get more wrestling than you do in three hours of Raw. And it's just kind of, like, frustrating because I'm not there to listen to the guys talk. It's part of it. I really enjoy the promos. The promos are great, but they don't need to be... I like the old-school promos where they cut a a two-minute promo and, you know, they yell at the screen and then they get in the ring and they fight. And it's more of that kind of a story, and they tell the story in the in the ring, in the match. But I think the WWE is smart because what they do is this protects the wrestlers. Roman Reigns doesn't have to wrestle a match to get 40 minutes of TV time. He doesn't have to put himself at risk. They're protecting their big, biggest assets, so it makes sense. But it's just, like, if I want to watch wrestling, I'm putting on AEW. That's why I don't miss AEW and I miss WWE. Yeah, and one of the things for me when WCW was at its prime and you actually looked at it, even when they did the opening intro and you had if it was Ric Flair, you had something that was really big. That usually ended up being 20 minutes. But generally, if they opened a show, it was only 10 to 12, maybe 15 minutes at the very most, which is tolerable. It's like, how much can you take when you're talking about the same story over and over? Like, if we're really hyped for it, like, if that was Sammy and Kevin against, you know, the bloodline, maybe we could do, you know, 20 minutes. But I, when you're sitting there doing a tribal court for 40 minutes with the same story that we've seen every single week, and the only difference really being Roman's there this week... Um, you know, it, it kind of really takes the shine and the luster away from it. And it's like, they're, I, I feel that they're just trying to drag this on to SummerSlam. And I think even tonight, like we film on, like I said, Friday nights, it's 8.05 right now. And I'm sure if we turned in, guaranteed the bloodline would be starting off. So if somebody has a TV there, please tell me because I can't access mine. But if it's there, are the bloodline talking right now? Because it very could, very I'll check. could be, right? Um, so... I think in the day and age, what I think is going to happen is I think the content of wrestling, the wrestling fans, the more fans that we get that love the wrestling content are going to turn to the wrestling content. One of the knocks against AEW, again, is the high spots. They think it's too many high spots or they feel that uh, somebody like Adam Cole isn't worthy of being a world champion because he's 180 pounds, which isn't true. He's probably closer to 200. But they want these big 260-pound guys. Who is it? Charlotte Flair's open. Oh, I was totally wrong. See, I make bad decisions, guys. With Char- it looks like Charlotte and Bianca are starting. Okay, interesting. I love Charlotte Barbies. Flair. Love Charlotte Flair. We love Charlotte Flair, yeah. too. I do. Um, even I watched, uh, they had on, on the network, they had her documentary there for one of her 24-7s or whatever. It was really well done. Um, oh, yeah. Really good. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I don't know what it's going to be moving forward. I don't, I don't think AEW is going to surpass WWE. I think when you have a $9 billion machine behind it, I just, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think that they're going to find their niche and it's okay where they are. They're still going to make a lot of money and they're going to be really big. They're going to do well. Um, so yeah, that's basically where we're at for that. Now back to WWE in full. So one of the things they, you know, we talk about, um, you know, the AEW having three shows. Well, everybody forgets that WWE technically has three shows. We also have NXT on Tuesday nights. Now, one of the things that's really happened since NXT 2.0, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I've been wrong twice already tonight, um, is Vince McMahon basically took NXT 2.0 when he was doing it and introduced a whole bunch of new stars that were definitely not ready at any point. And um, the product has really suffered at that point. It doesn't mean that we've ha- we've not had great matches, but character development hasn't been as strong as when NXT was at its peak because when Triple H was running NXT, that was honestly the best brand in WWE. That They had the best shows, the best talent, the indie talent that they brought in figuring out how to be a WWE superstar faster than people that were on Raw and SmackDown. It, it was like it was unprecedented that you'd think that a, a, a minor league show or a so-called minor league show was um, overtaking the main advertising on major networks on Mondays and, and Friday nights. So NXT 2.0 came out, and it, it's been a disaster in my opinion. There's a couple standouts with Carmelo Hayes, maybe Braun Breaker, and they're still in NXT, but um, trying to bring a lot of these areas up... Um, 
you know, uh, you have a couple highlights with like Chase U with Andre Chase. I find that uh, Joe Gacy, for somebody who's a big man, you don't really see those big men anymore. It's basically an NXT, it's them and Gallus. But the star power is missing. So what the WWE has started to do, and I, I don't know if you guys have been watching NXT recently, because I, I know that we used to watch it frequently. Chris, I know that you were a massive fan of NXT. Um, but now they're starting to bring WWE wrestlers back in. So right now what we're seeing is I think Mustafa Ali is going to be challenging like um, at one point Carmelo Hayes for the title. Or sorry, not Carmelo Hayes, Wes Lee for the North American title. Um, Judgment Day was on the show on Tuesday um, talking about going after if anybody wants to, if Carmelo or Trick Williams wants to go after their titles, they can because they saw Carmelo do his, uh, his deal being on Monday Night Raw. But they're bringing in all these wrestlers. Now... Do you think that this is going to have a positive effect on NXT? Do you think the ratings will go up with them working? Or do you think this is just a ploy to really just try to get some star power on the show to keep it alive? Chris, what do you think? No, I, I think at this point they, they have to bring those those established stars in. Uh, like you said, I was a, a big... I was, I, I was there at SummerSlam for... I didn't go to SummerSlam in Toronto, but I went to the NXT show in, in Toronto because I... I love the I love the black and gold brand. And it correct was, me if I'm wrong, so I'm going to cut good. you off for one second. But that was was that was the Toronto NXT that you went to, the one with uh, the DIY two out of three falls match with FTR. Uh, I don't think so. There's a cage match with Adam Cole. Okay. I think uh, I think I'm thinking but, of the one maybe before that, but I just I, I just remember them wrestling in Toronto or on a big pay-per-view and i thought it was toronto for that two out of three falls that everybody talks about is one of the best tag matches in the last 10 years <laughs> oh no I, I don't think it was i don't think it was there but um i mean yeah that used to be my my favorite wrestling show to watch like it was everything was good there's a lot of wrestling promos are decent not great but so much wrestling and you had Adam Cole, you had Undisputed Era, you had you had all these these good things that were happening. And then all of a sudden, um, yeah, they went to 2.0 and then I think the ratings are dropping now, so now they have to bring now they have to bring main roster talent in to start even I think they're challenging for titles now too, right? Yeah, so basically, yeah, like I said, like basically Mustafa Ali's coming back to fight Wes Lee, right, for the North American titles. Um, I don't know if there's anything else right now that the tag titles are held by, I think, Gallus. I can't really remember. I'm not, I, I haven't watched a lot of NXT. I just try to keep my eye on it. Um, so some, if I'm free on Tuesdays, I will try to watch it. But um, yeah, it just doesn't seem to me to have that star power that they used to have, right? Um, and when you're kind of going well, through... Sorry, go ahead. I think the last the last great thing they really had was with uh, Million Dollar Man and uh, Cameron Grimes and LA Knight going for the the Million Dollar Belt. To me, that was that was the last great thing they had. Like Braun Breaker's great, he's great, but he still hasn't hit the main roster, and there's a reason for that. Well, <clears throat> which brings me to what I'm going to talk about with Josh because I know Josh was a big NXT guy too. Um, from what I understand, um, I could, again, I could be wrong. Like I'm usually wrong. So Josh is saying no. So, okay. I got something right. But when we talk about NXT, you, you look at, I kind of compare them to my favorite soccer team, which is Chelsea football club. And I always say that Chelsea buys a lot of young kids, keeps them in their, their minor system or in their academies, but they never transition to the first team ever. They always end up being sold or loaned, probably 60 or 70 guys over the course of this have either been sold or loaned, and then ends up being, uh, they end up being stars on other teams. Now, my question is, the same thing with NXT. We see a guy like Pete Dunne, who's an absolute killer on NXT, and then he goes up to the main roster and he becomes Butch? Right? Yeah. We look at a guy like, like I, I'm thinking of successes off the top of my head, and I can't even say Johnny Gargano's a success. I can't even say Tommaso Ciampa's a success, but they were probably two of the biggest wrestlers in NXT. How do they not get over on the main roster? The three guys that stand out to me are Nakamura, Owens, and Zayn. Those are the three. And Kevin Owens, in reality, was only there for six months. He was up fighting Cena and after, if, like, what, two months? 
I mean, I mean, Bobby Roode should be there, but they've missed oh, they, mishandled him as so well. So they've dropped the ball with all those guys. So my question becomes, Josh, is like, really, should these should these guys just stay on NXT? Like, is there even any reason to bring them up to the main brand? Um, I, I think we can all agree they've dropped the ball. But if you were to take somebody out of NXT right now, do you think that they would fall flat in their face? Um, I'm not sure. I think that I've been kind of reading some other points that it sounds like what they're trying to actually do is create a viable third brand and make NXT actually be competitive. And so they're, they're bringing these wrestlers down and they're going to stay down. Some of these guys like uh, Baron Corbin, they're going to try to repackage him and, you know, maybe make him viable. And maybe that's an option. Um, I don't think that if they treat their stars in NXT continually the same way that they do when they bring them up that they're they're going to ever be successful because they're setting them up to not be successful so but i don't know how you ever then create stars but the problem is with wwe right now is that they don't have enough storylines they're just using the same storyline over and over again with the same people they're not changing the champions and it just makes it really difficult to create new stars when you don't give them avenues to become successful and to become successful they need to be able to have a championship or have a meaningful feud, but if you if you just keep your focus on you know those ten to fifteen stars, you don't really ever get to see anybody new come up and be special. And I think like that was one of the besides the Britt Baker, you know him him uh, Adam Cole's you know being in a relationship with Britt Baker and AEW. I believe like one of the reasons why he didn't move up to the main roster was because they didn't even want him to wrestle; they just wanted him to be a manager. And a lot of these guys love to wrestle. And I think that's what the thing that the main roster isn't, isn't a lot of wrestling. It's a lot of talking. And maybe these guys just aren't good on the mic. And that's what happens. I, I don't know because I don't watch enough uh, NXT. I did watch quite a bit during the Attitude Era. And I would say that their product for me was comparable to AEW. And it was fantastic. You know, like it was something that you would rather watch than you know, th- two hours of raw, even it's, even though it's three hours, you oh, know, for you sure. out an hour every, every, for week. sure. And the, and the NXT product, when they went to premium live events were better than the WWE pay-per-views. Like, and, 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 and like, I mean, Chris, I mean, like, uh, tell me I'm wrong. Like you went to the, the NXT where you could have probably went to what it was SummerSlam. Yeah, it was SummerSlam weekend. And probably, like, so what did Chris do? Chris goes to the NXT event. Why? Because it tailored more to him, right? Like, that's what I'm assuming. I'm not trying to speak for you, but I would say, knowing you for as long as I did, that's it's either that or the SummerSlam tickets were $400 more than the NXT tickets. Or both. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I had a choice from SmackDown, Raw, NXT, and SummerSlam, and I, I chose NXT because there's there's more wrestling. There's more wrestling product in it. Yeah. And so I think, like, they've dropped the ball so much, I, I, I don't know where they're going to kind of create new stars now. It's it's just getting to that point where if you're going to take these guys and shove them into NXT, like, one of the rumors is right now is that WWE, we talked about Switch uh, Jay White, we talked about Kota Ibushi, but um, another rumor for that is that they're really big on the United Empire, on the, um, the, two, uh, the two Australian guys, the tag team there. Um, they're really high on those guys, and uh, they're actually looking to try to bring them in. And they were saying that if uh, uh, they're talking about bringing kyle fletcher right off the bat um to try and be somewhere maybe as a single star until the other guy heals up because i think the other guy's got an injury that put him out for nine months but it's tough to see any star come up because if they come up and you don't use them appropriately they're just going to bury the products so I, i don't know really what's happening and i think one of the other things that we see for the developmental is that a lot of kids that are being signed in now wwe has the nil deals which are the next in line deals which are very similar so signing athletes out of college And this is a whole other debate. We're wrestling fans and we're passionate about wrestling and we love it. But some of these people that are athletes have never even heard of wrestling. So how can you never heard of wrestling and go into a wrestling ring and expect to know what you're doing just on sheer athletic ability? Right? So that's my two cents. I don't know what's going to happen in in the future moving forward with it, but it'll be really interesting to see. So um, I I think it'll make the product a little bit better because you're going to have that recognized, but it's not going to change the fact that you're not fighting in front of 5,000 people. You're at full sale fighting in front of 500, and that's the difference. Um, for our last topic of the evening, we're going to talk um, basically um, uh, about the Judgment Day. Uh, Chris has stepped away. We can still see the broken door in his video. So when we do have video one day, and uh, Chris is wearing a Raptors jersey, it looks like Kyle Lowry, um, who doesn't play there anymore. 
Um, so burn it. Um, but other than that, when we're going through, I think we're going to talk about the Judgment Day and a, a little bit of a kind of a unique situation with Finn Balor. That's who we want to focus on. And um, we we're talking earlier before the before the pod was going, and we we're talking about what do we want to see at SummerSlam, and it's looking like we really want to see Balor and Seth Rollins come in, which kind of brought us to a kind of a, a couple of weird decisions with potential swerves that come out. So, Chris. When you're looking at Fal- Balor and Seth Rollins, if if that is the match that they're going to go with at SummerSlam, a um, couple different swerves involving Money in the Bank. Um, what do you think happens if that match goes down at SummerSlam for the World Heavyweight Championship? Uh, if, if I'm not mistake- mistaken, would that be a rematch to when Balor won his first his first big title in WWE? Um, uh, F- Balor's first uh, Balor's first Universal Title was a six way. That he won, and then he tore, tore okay. his shoulder on Raw. So it was on Raw. I think Kevin Owens was the champion that did a six-way or a four-way or a six-way. And basically, the night he won, he tore his shoulder. And that was like his first night or his second night in WWE when they went through. Yeah, well, I'm I'm high on both of them. I, I really like both of them. Um, I like Balor as a heel a lot. Um, I like Rollins as a heel. I loved his work when he was kind of uh, the lackey for Triple H and Steph. Um, yeah, you know, like, I, I want to see Balor win it again. I want I want to see him carry a championship. I I think smaller guy, but but he's totally believable. He's he's so good in the ring. He's, he's so good at what he does. He's just such a talented performer. And so is Rollins. Um, so, I mean, I'd be, I'd be, really looking forward to this match i think i think they could bring the house down i think they could do the dolph ziggler steal the show i i and i'm all for it and and to be honest i hope balor comes out with the championship and uh what happens with judgment day i think with uh with uh um, gonna... priest having yeah sorry okay you're going for it go for it sorry i was gonna cut you off for a second yeah yeah, with with Damian Priest having having the briefcase, I think I think we could be in for either something that happens right away if Balor wins the championship, or Balor could win the championship and we have something that plays out with the two of them still in Judgment Day, which would be I think is like what I'm looking at is I'd like I'd like a long term storyline played out between the two of them because. Uh, Priest could always be like, I could, I could just cash it in at any time. So, yeah, that's that's how I w- I'd like it to play out. Cool. Yeah, I think when you kind of look at this, this is kind of priests like kind of like what we said last week. This is priests like, I don't want to say it's a gift. I want to say this is what priests earned for, you know, uh, doing the Bad Bunny match in Puerto Rico, and obviously with his progression. I mean, you know, coming in, he was very very green as Punishment Martinez. If you ever watched the documentary, he was about two hundred ninety pounds when he started in. You know, the indies, he really worked on his body, really worked on his physique to get there, and it's been just hard work for him. And um, he, he, he likes to cry a lot, which is fine. I mean, wrestling's emotional, and uh, it's hitting your goals is emotional. And it's one thing when you kind of watch the documentary when you're watching him, and he doesn't seem like an asshole. So the problem that I have here is that my question, and this will be the question that I posed to Josh, when you're kind of looking at this, if it's Balor and Rollins, and Balor takes the title... Where do you see Damian Priest going with this? Does does I like I like to call it the machine. Does the machine want him to be the heel and kick Balor out? That's one potential swerve. Or does when he does the swerve, does he get cheered and then all of a sudden become the face? So where do you think that he's going? Do you think it ends up being heel priest that wins the title, or do you think it ends up being face, uh, you know, face priest? Because we did discuss last week about um, you know the Latino community. Um, and not to, it, it, you know, I, I mean, being so popular with the Latino community and the resurgence that we've had in those crowds at WWE events, especially with him being Puerto Rican, does, does, which one do you think plays out, um, in the long run with him? Yeah. Uh, I think he's going to be face. I think that the way that they're playing it off is that Balor is going to be the heel in this storyline. If there's a turn, 
Um, just to go back to the original Finn Balor Seth Rollins match at SummerSlam, it did happen, uh, and Finn Balor was, did beat Seth Rollins for the Universal Title to be first, first Universal Title. Winner. Thanks for looking that up. So See, I fucked up that, again, man. I'm the worst host of in history of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I don't know anything. I just do a lot of quick research. But can you do the re- can um, you do the research on the six man to make sure that I was right on that one? Because I'm pretty sure I was right on that one on his I, first title win. But you'll have to tell me after. I will. I'll look. Yeah. All the feedback. Um, all the feedback we get, Matt says that you are the greatest host. Oh, thank you. I'm, not, I'm. I'm only yeah. being self-deprecating. Yeah. I know that I'm all right. So. <laughs> I, I agree. Um, I actually don't think that Finn's going to win this match because I think that this is going to be Seth's redemption of SummerSlam for the title. So I. I don't see. I see that the, the turn might happen when if if and when. Uh, Damian Priest decides to cash the title in that Finn Balor might interfere. So I actually think that Finn, that there's a slight chance that Damian Priest wins zero titles with the money in the bank and still becomes a face because, you know, or there's a chance that what happens is that Finn Balor loses and there's a potential where he cashes on that match and Finn Balor helps him beat uh, Seth Rollins. But I, I think that the story is going to take a little bit longer. I think it's a little too soon to cash the money in the bank for SummerSlam. I'd like to see a slow burn with Finn Balor and Damian Priest. And, you know, if Finn Balor wins the title, I have nothing. there's nothing wrong with that. I just think that the Seth Rollins story is going to be bigger here and that he's going to get his redemption at SummerSlam. I find that there's like two really unique personalities. I think their in-ring work is really good. And so when I think of when I think of Finn Balor, I think of all the opportunities that I've kind of lost at this point in regards to injuries that I've had out of the career and just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I think that was kind of like his um if while Josh does the research, because I'm pretty sure when Finn Balor won it, and I could be wrong on this, I know that Kevin Owens got Triple H to basically screw everybody over when he won his first title. And I think that might be a match that I'm referring to as a four-way as well. But um, with Finn winning the title, you know, and, and going through, like, he he either needs a redemption arc or he needs to kind of get out of there. And I think, like, one of the things that I always think of with Finn Balor is I feel that this style of wrestling is not his. I feel that he's better suited in AEW. I feel that you look at him as going back as Prince DeVitt and going back and having complete control over his character, complete control over what he's doing. I'm not saying he has to be the leader of Bullet Club. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But if he just goes back to being Fergal Devitt, you know, he, <laughs> Chris is doing the uh, the Bullet Club sign. I like it. But if he just goes back to being that and having control over his character, I think he's a much more endearing and engaging product than what WWE has ever created for him. They've tried to do the Bullet Club angle where he just comes out in the leather jacket. Didn't work. They try to do the the demon, and then they tried to tie in like an Undertaker-like streak when he does it. Stupid. Like, it's a great entrance, but it's just it's stupid to tie that in, that he's a different person wearing that than anything else. Like, it's it's just odd. So you go out one week and you're you're kind of your you could probably go kill Brock Lesnar and then the next week you're losing to some like mid carter you know somewhere by a roll up it just doesn't like the story doesn't has never made sense for him moving forward um i think he's going to get screwed in this process i really do i think even if he wins the title i think i think priest is going to challenge him cuz i think we've kind of seen the the kind of the beginning like of kind of um, the dissension in the group, and I think it's between obviously with Priest winning the Money in the Bank. There's some. There's gonna. They're gonna play the jealousy angle, and I think it's gonna be really. I think they're gonna slow burn that to SummerSlam, and then it'll hit crescendo just before SummerSlam. But you know who knows, man. Uh, Josh, I I never thought of the the long term having a long term Priest angle where he loses. That that's another option too, and then kind of having your. I've had to earn it. Um, you know, scenario. And we've seen that. Maybe that's what they're doing with LA Knight. We don't know if they're doing that with LA Knight. Like on this podcast, we're hoping they're doing that with LA Knight, but we don't know for sure. So, um, so it'll be interesting. So Matt, that that six man match you were talking about was, did you think Balor was the winner of that match for a That was the one where he tore, he tore his labrum or he tore whatever it was, his shoulder at the beginning oh. of the match. And, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, he fought through the match and I thought, I thought that I remember him winning. That was his first universal title that he won. 
He's only won he's only won one Universal Championship and no other major. Yeah, so so that Universal title that he won, he won it, but I'm pretty sure he lost. Like I'm pretty sure like he had to give it up the next night because he was injured. He tore something and he was gone for eight months. Did he not beat that title against Seth Rollins? Sorry, yeah, that was the one. And then he was that on Raw. And then he gave it up. And then he relinquished it the next night. Oh, and he relinquished it the next night. Okay, so that's what he did. So that's why I'm thinking Raw. He gave it up on Raw the next night. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. So I I was right that he tore his labrum in that match because I just I remember that being that it was his labrum or his shoulder or something that he, he torched, and he torched it in the first like two or three minutes too, if I recall. It was going into a barricade. So, but anyways, guys, for the Ocho, we got through this bitch. So, um, you know, based on everybody else here, you know what? We're going to have some unique uh, episodes that are going to be coming up in the future. We might have an SWA episode. We might have our buddy Kent the Man Carter coming on. We might have Johnny B come on. Um, We got a lot of stuff going on that's coming up, and uh, we're going to try to adhere to the schedule and keep it going. Chris has been doing an amazing job with editing. But like I said at the beginning of the show, um, you know, you can reach us any questions, anything that you want to give us out. Chris is going to try to have a rub wrestling thing for the August 5th event for the Project X show, hopefully. A shirt or something made so that he can throw up a sign in the crowd. If he decides yeah. to do that from the VIP section, but um, you can reach us at the rub wrestling at outlook.com. And again, you can download and find our podcast on any, any scenario, Google play, Spotify, Apple. You can find us on YouTube, hit like, and subscribe. But with that being said, how we always end the show, wherever you are in the world tonight, good morning. Good afternoon. Oh, no, 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 Wait, no, no, no. We got, oh! we got something that needs to be done. Oh my God. You forgot about the salami. You got to slice Josh. You gotta slice the salami. See, I knew I fucked up again, but that's okay. I forgot about the salami. Josh, what slices your salami, buddy? All right, this week in slices my salami. I haven't seen it in a little while, but the suck it really slices my salami. Now, I'm not saying that I don't mind the suck it. Uh, grew up in the era area when the in an era when the suck it was prevalent. I remember doing the suck it in grade nine. In grade 10, and that was, what, almost 30 years ago now, it seems. Uh, maybe not quite that long ago. But I just think that too many people do the suck it. And I'm okay with Billy Gunn doing the suck it. I'm okay with his kids doing the suck it. But when I see some random wrestler doing the suck it, I'm like, no, not for me. Um, that's, you know what? And I just, I think it's a little aggressive. It's a little past tense. You know, it's not this generation. So I think that Billy Gunn can continue to do the suck it. Maybe his kids, DH stuff, that's fine. But other than that, when other people do the suck it, that really slices my salami. I bought a Degeneration X shirt when I was 17, and my dad was pulled out the card where I'm not mad, but I'm so disappointed in you for buying that T-shirt. And then he got mad at my mom for letting <laughs> her buy the T-shirt for me. <laughs> okay, now that all the fuck-ups are done, now we're going to get to the end of the show. So again... And, uh, you know, now we know what slices Josh's mortadella. But uh, when we go through, for everybody out there, wherever you are in the world tonight, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. We bid you adieu as a podcast. Bang!